Frank Krueger, the number one way to get people into your apps is to just direct them directly to your application whenever they type in a URL into the browser. Like, don't even open the web page. Oh, God. And just go right to the app. I mean, that, that's pretty much a full strategy, correct? No, no. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I am going to complain about the GitHub app now. <laughs> it's funny, right? We've had URL uh, support and apps, I think, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then deep linking. I think deep linking is kind of what you want. But then something terrible happened. And all of a sudden, HTTP requests <laughs> started getting routed to apps. And I think that that was the last straw that was bad. But overall, it, it's really cool that we can deep link into apps. It's a technology I've been trying to take advantage of in my apps for years. I don't think I've done a great job, but I've at least done a little bit of a job. And it's it's powerful, but no, don't don't do what you just said. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you know, and and we've talked about we've talked about these things for a long time because you know, um, I back in the day it was just URL schemes like you're talking about, and that's what I use in Island Tracker because it makes it easier uh, to just you know have a, a direct URL scheme. So a scheme you can think of HTTP or HTTPS as a scheme. It's the things before the semicolon slash slash. So those are the schemes and you can define it for your app and say, hey, like, you know, this is my scheme that I'm going to use. And it's, uh, you know, Island Tracker colon dash dash. And hey, Apple, like, you know, when someone taps on this link or does this thing or hey, Google, like, it'd be pretty cool if you just open my app, you know, and I use this for for my stream timer too. I'm a big fan of URL schemes. But the problem, Frank, is that anyone can register a URL scheme. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not so bad it's not so bad um i i like it it's like making an api for your app almost mm-hmm. we don't have command line apps on ios but we have this terrible thing called uh what's it called <laughs> url schemes <laughs> no i was gonna say um the user programmable script editor um oh. gosh well, automator how bad yeah automator on mac <laughs> but on ios it's not called scripts while wow, totally blanking anyway um the only way you can actually really apps can really communicate with each other. There's like audio channels and you could do some networking tricks, but the proper way for apps to talk to each other is through these uh, URLs. So I think of them as APIs. So whenever you want to have an app talk, uh, get data from another app, open another app, they were really useful to the point where um, it's kind of the wild, wild west because they're just URLs. And in the past, we did have some attempt at people standardizing them. They're like, okay, this will be the format. If you want to do a query, this is what a query should look like. If you want to open a page, this is what a page should look like. But those efforts have kind of fallen through. So we're still back to the wild, wild west days, but still being able to provide uh, apps to each other that provide data. Like for instance, Kauka. Kalka in its most basic, dumbest mode is a calculator. So I created a URL. Um, I'm sorry. It's actually in the documentation, so I might get it wrong just doing it from the top of my head. But something like Kalka colon slash slash x callback URL slash q equals two plus two. And that would calculate the value of two plus two, return the number four. And you can put that into your little scripts. Once I remember the name of the app that you're supposed to write scripts with on iOS. What is that stupid thing? It's not called shortcuts. It's not called Siri. It's not automator. It's automator on the Mac. Oh, but on iOS, it has a different name. Oh, it's not shortcuts. Shortcuts. Was I right there first time? Okay, I think so. let's go with shortcuts for now. <laughs> I think so. I think I think shortcuts. I want to say shortcuts, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. So, 
It can yeah, be- so sh- sh- shortcuts are nice because they have a little card and you just say, if you can put in the URL, it'll call that URL and get back whatever data. And then you can start building up larger and larger scripts. So I always recommend to people the problem it's a it's a feature you can't really sell i mean yeah. there, there definitely is a dev community out there and there's definitely people who are specializing in shortcuts who do need utilities like this like small unixy little programs that do one thing and do it well and do it quickly um but it, it's a hard feature to sell but i still recommend everyone if your app has any concept of here is a kind of a batch operation i can do or something that would be useful in a script. Like if you have a weather app, you absolutely mm. should have um, a URL registered so that people can just get the temperature or whatever from your weather app. That's kind of the most basic form. Yeah, both, and at least on iOS and Mac, you, you can also detect if, and on and on Android as well, and Windows, on, on all of them. Mm-hmm, you can use, mm-hmm. But basically you can detect if an app is installed that can handle it. So for example, in the, in the geez, back in the day, the Xamarin Evolve conference app, this was before like Twitter became like the only Twitter client, you know, there's a lot more <laughs> out there. But what I would do is, is say, hey, listen, the worst experience would be just, you know, tapping on a tweet and opening it in the browser because the user, if they have Twitter or have TweetBot or have some other, you know, Twitter client, it'd be great to just open their app directly. Now on Android, uh, you can do this very nicely because Android handles, uh, you know, these URL schemes in multiple ways. Basically what could happen is anybody could register like Twitter colon slash slash. And, and then you would get a pop-up basically you'd get a little pop-up that says, Hey, what app do you want to use? iOS still doesn't have that. So if Hmm. everybody registers Twitter colon slash slash, I think it just picks the first one you had installed or the last one is you. I don't know how it works. Magic, but is it that primitive? That's sad because I remember mm-hmm. Apple was popping up dialogues for a few things, but maybe that was only like mail and browser. That's well, sad. Yes. Today, great point. Wow, Frank Krueger, great point. Um, <clears throat> today in iOS 14, I want to say 13, 14, 13, they, they allow <laughs> you to pick the default browser and also the default mail client and maybe one other thing that you can toggle. So, but Android had that for everything like yeah everything right which is good and bad uh you know because most likely you're you're if, if you tap on a tweet the developer doesn't have to do anything like they can just you know send it off and it would it would go off and handle it automatically basically there where on on ios what i'd have to do is i'd have to register and, and they got more strict about it too right because i have to register all the urls that you'd like to launch and then or handle too and then you'd have to check all of them. So I go, oh, is Twitter, can, can someone handle the Twitter URL scheme? Oh, no. Okay, how about the TweetBot? How about the whatever Twitter thing? And then if not, then, okay, just launch the browser. Who cares at this point? But it was just this you know step through process. And you're right, there was a website out there. We've probably talked about it in the podcast before. So there's people that are like, <laughs> James, Frank, you guys talk about this 100 times. Uh, yeah, you know, you could do that. And uh, I thought that was really cool that, that there's someone was trying to get these all together. But the problem is there's just too many apps, too many things, and you would need everyone to go on. Now, if somebody had a directory of every app that was, you know, (laughs) put on the app store, right? And they could just generate some, you know, yeah, directory per se from from it. (laughs) I don't know what company has that data. Apple, Google, Apple, all (laughs) all of them. Uh, Then you could do that. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, you were saying and you have to declare the schemes that you're going to probe or attempt to open, but you don't have to give any more details. You don't have to describe the URL structure or anything yes. like that. So there's no great way to scan an app <laughs> to do all that because it's technically just code running. So it's, yeah, we're, we're like I said, wild, wild west. It's, it's. I was always jealous of Android's kind of URL-based navigation thing. It was annoying with activities and all that, but I got it. It was an architecture. It was kind of a clever architecture. Kind of annoying in practice, but still, you had to hand it to them. Still somewhat clever. And then um, Xamarin Forms adopted URLs for navigation. Mm -hmm. So that made deep linking with these OS URLs pretty darned easy. Did you ever kind of take advantage of that? Like just allow deep linking via Xamarin Forms navigation or anything like that? I never did, but I always thought that was just the gosh darn easiest way <laughs> to do um, uh, deep linking. From the oh, yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, Island, Island Tracker does that specifically. So when which is tricky because you want to like get the link correct and you need to like not change it in the future ever <laughs> um uh, but island tracker does do that because when you send a friend request or um accept a friend basically what will happen is it comes into the application and what it does is it looks at the url scheme uh and tries to open that url and that url scheme actually is pretty long because it goes to like ac island tracker and then it's like like home slash friend slash friend code and then, <laughs> then passes in a query as well to it so it's like this very long url that you'd actually be pasting to your friend uh over there and uh, to me i thought that was that was really cool that you could just like send this huge url and then when you tell just just you know the xamarin forms to navigate say hey go there it just automatically goes there as long as everything is correct you know what i mean that's probably the, the biggest thing is make sure it's all correct uh, and it doesn't get messed up at all. But yeah, th that's what I used to do. It's this huge, crazy path, uh, which is really cool. So I like it. Yeah, um, definitely not, like you said, not typable. But that's the different use case. You have kind of like the API use case, and then you have the deep linking use case. And then it's kind of funny that they're all through the same thing, but they're definitely pretty different from each other. I definitely just stuck to the API kind of route. I haven't done the deep linking. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I do, um, I have a lot of file-based apps. So those ones are pretty easy because you'll get an open URL, but it won't be your scheme. It'll just be like a file colon slash slash URL or something like that. And then a document-based app, that's the idea is very e easy. Yes, open that file, show it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like the, the dumbest form of deep linking. So we started uh, the show because I ran into an interesting blog post to make testing these things easier. It's it's an old blog post, I have to admit, but it was just making its round on Twitters. And I, I felt dumb because I've always had trouble testing <laughs> these URL schemes. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I did one time was I created like a hidden screen in my app that just had a million buttons on it and it was almost like unit tests and i would just put like a url behind one of those buttons and you know open it itself it it was a terrible way to test it a i hated creating that hidden ui kind of thing just for testing 
And B, it's not a good practical test because you're opening your app from within your app. And chances are things are going to work out really well in that case because you haven't been put into the background. You haven't been put resident in memory. You haven't been, you know, all sorts of state changes have not occurred. And uh, just just this morning, hot off the presses, <laughs> uh, I'll make sure to get this URL too, but it'll be in the show notes. A quick way to open custom URL schemes in iOS simulator. Are you interested in James? Yeah, you know, because I agree with you that the issue I had was that I had the same issue. Now, now we also remember that, that Google wanted to index every app, which is why HTTP mm. schemes became the default. And I said, well, only one person and then Apple followed on. You know, one company can verify a URL. So that's the default way of doing it. That's what they really push on is saying, hey, like register your domain. And then the idea was, hey, your app's not too different from your website. So then they could deep link and all this stuff. I don't think it really took off very much. But URL, HTTP schemes came a thing. Now, regardless of what you're using, you still need to like handle like, does my app actually open the specific HTTPS <laughs> or the custom schemes here and there? So what I did, funnily enough, is exactly what you said, Frank, is I, you know, your own app can open your own app, I'm pretty sure. But ideally, you want to test it if other apps open your app. So I would create a tester app, you uh, know, and all it did was have like, you know, here's a bunch of not buttons. There was buttons, but then also like, you know, just a text fields that I could, you know, make sure that I could put in anything I want. And it became the the tester app. Now, of course, in iOS 13 or 15, they changed this. And so did uh, Android, where if you want to launch a URL, you have to, um, if you have to accept a URL, yeah, if you accept a URL, you got to make sure that you, I think, parse it. Maybe if you launch the URL, I don't know. Anyways, both, 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 that, both apps. Yeah, yeah. One app says I'm going to try to open this URL. The other app has to say I'm going to accept these URLs. So yeah, yeah. definitely got to do it both places. Got to do it both places. So anyways, so I basically create that little tester application. But that was always a, a pain because it <laughs> it it was real world, but not exactly real world. Like ideally, I would want to like I would end up how I would test it is I would get the URL, I'd email it to myself, or I would like text it to myself. I would open up you know iMessage or email. And again, you'd have to do that on a device because you don't have that on the simulator over there. Uh, so iOS to me was always a pain. And also, I will say also just testing on Windows and Mac were always a little bit tricky for URL schemes because I felt as though on, on Windows, you can just go into run and just give it a you know protocol. They call it protocols. And in fact, if mm -hmm. you go into Windows default, like default apps, you can also go to um, protocols and you can... You know, I, I can oh. be like, oh, what is my everything's there. So there's like search, read, podcast, like out, Outlook, HTTP, because I, I had a I had that issue, which was for some reason, Edge was my default for all HTTP, even though my default browser was um, funny, was Edge dev or Edge beta or whatever I'm on. So I actually had to change the HTTP. So how other apps are calling it, right? They might be using a different API. I had to change that to, to move it over. So anyways. Back to back to what I'm saying over on the Mac, I always felt like I should just be able to open terminal, pop something in there and it should work. And I feel like that mostly kind of worked. But how I honestly tested a lot of my apps was I opened up the browser and then I put the URL <laughs> with the scheme in and then type it in. Uh, and again, that's not really real world. Um, but I always I always had issues with this just in general. So, Frank, is there a better way? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Whole podcast. <laughs> um 
Yeah, I, 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 I tried that browser approach. It's terrible. Text entry on the simulator is just bad. And it, it, kind of even worse on the device because it's not in the clipboard or you don't have it anywhere. But yeah, I've mm. definitely done the browser approach too. No, James, there is a command line solution. Oh, okay. <laughs> which, you know, which probably means I should make an extension for Visual Studio, put a bunch of these little things in it. But um, I, I always forget this. But Xcode has a command line interface to it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little tool called XC Run. And I forget about it. I just forget. I use it. I, you know what the problem is? I have scripts that use it. So I use it all the time, but I forget that I use it. <laughs> but this little XC Run thing can also control the iOS simulators. And the command is XC Run space sim control, S-I-M-C-T-O. And then after that, you have even more options. It's like, yeah, you can just keep straining, uh, chaining these things together. And what you can say is open URL. It's so simple. Of course they had this. It just never occurred to me until I read this blog post. But what you can say is uh, XC run, sim control, open URL, uh, this booted thing, an another command line arg to just say uh, what the state of the app should be. And then you can just give it the URL. James, it's wonderful. I can't believe i never looked this up before <laughs> i should have read the manual where have you been my whole life i've been doing 10 years of opening urls without knowing about this thing uh so at the command line you can start doing your tests in some ways i kind of like your second app but if you're not willing <laughs> to put the effort into writing that second app with the forms and all that kind of stuff this is the approach i'm going to use from now on <laughs> i'm going to be doing um yeah just and and we can I, I want to discuss other ideas building on top of this, but already I just I feel silly for not realizing this was a thing. And now I'm so happy that this is a thing. I'm going to go test all my URLs because I promise I have not been testing them very thoroughly and make sure everything's working correctly. I mean, this makes sense that this would be built in because I, I'm wondering on Android, there's got to be something on ADB that allows you to of do course. I bet there's probably something. ADB can do everything. This very true. <laughs> ADB can conquer the world. <laughs> that, that's true. True statement. Um, it makes sense that that there would be something built in because obviously I often look of how, you know, how, how do you even launch a simulator? How do you debug a thing? Like I'm assuming Xcode and Visual Studio for Mac and other IDEs are just using a bunch of these Xcode automation things because when you install Xcode and you install Visual Studio for Mac, like you need to go open Xcode and you need to install the command line tools. Like yeah. <laughs> you have to have them. And if you don't, it gets very mad at you very mad at you yeah um i i don't know all the internal details of anything but um the last time i looked they definitely were using all of these tools and it's really powerful for develop developers too um you know i i can never remember the exact incantation but you can definitely look it up on google how to run the simulator from the command line it's not hard you just have to know the xc run sim control command point it at your dot app and it'll launch the simulator why would you ever want to do that outside the IDE? It's rare, but it comes up for me. I just, you know, I don't want to deal with the IDE right now, or I don't want to even chance the idea of it rebuilding the app or something. Or maybe I have an archived version of the app. I want to try running that one. You can just point it at the dot app and do mm -hmm. that. So yeah, yeah, you nailed it. I'm pretty sure pretty all the tools out there are just calling out to XC run at some point. And that includes to deploy your app uh, to the simulator, start the simulator up, pick the right um, 
device on the simulator. These are all command line arguments to these XC run sim control tools. So powerful. <laughs> yeah, super. In fact, you know, I'm pretty sure that when the very first previews of Don and Maui were coming out, and, and still to this day, you know, if you just if you just run the app and you say on like iOS app, you say run the app, I think it just will pick whatever default you know simulator is there. It tries to be smart about it, but you mm-hmm. can pass it the GUID. So every every simulator has a, a GUID basically associated with it. And you can pass some additional information into it to like say, hey, target this one. But I'm pretty sure that in the documentation, they gave you a, a an, an one of these XC whatever commands to you mm-hmm. to query, you know, you got to query it. Because like, how do you think Visual Studio right. populates a list of the simulators? It just magically knows it's calling one of these APIs, which is very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I'm, I'm starting to, th- you brought up ADB, which is the Android debugger, um, but it's so much more than that. It's a device manager. Uh, you're making me realize they're basically the same thing at this point. So we got to learn two sets of command line tools, but it, it's super powerful. I feel like I'm even forgetting things. You, you have deploying. I'm pretty sure you can deploy to devices and all that. Signing is still separate. I think you still use like the code sign tool instead mm-hmm. of all of this. But man, this is going to save me a lot of time just being able to open URLs, especially because um, this opens the gateway to a lot of other potential things. I'm, I'm going to say unit testing, but please understand I'm a terrible unit tester and I don't do good uh, UI tests. I tend to do manual tests for all that kind of stuff. But even with manual tests, wouldn't it be nice to have a bunch of deep linked URLs that I cycle through? I could have a tiny little bash script or something, or even a little C-sharp script that just calls out to this XC run sim control, register a bunch of either deep link or APIs or things like that, that I want my app to accept and start to automate the simulator. Mm-hmm. Have it bring up this part of my app, have it bring up that part of my app. You could even go really crazy and um, pass in some URL parameters and tell it like where to report the results to. So open up a little TCP port and then start running this and have it start posting results back. And you have a very clever way, very simple way, very elegant way, I think. Um, It's not hacky at all (laughs) to start automating, uh, uh, bringing up different parts of your UI calling into different functional parts and even getting some data back if you just um, pass to those URLs how it should, um, what it should connect to or whatever to send data back to you. So my mind's just kind of racing of just what are all of the different automations I can do by uh, using these URLs. So, okay, you, you call a URL scheme. How does, it, how does it pass data back to your app? There's no good way. So there, there's no way in the API for the past data back. As far as I understand, uh, the app takes full control. It's a UI app. It's now waiting for user input. But what you could do is pass a query argument with a URL to your server. And uh, when whenever the app's done doing its thing, computing whatever results you want, it can just HTTP post to that. You know, it's it's the classic, how do you get data off of iOS? The easiest way is usually just post to an HTTP server somewhere. So um, create like a little app that has an HTTP listener on it, open a port, then uh, use the process object to call out to XC run, sim control, open URL, booted, and give it your URL. Pass the query of your port of your server, 
and then the app can post data to that server. I it it sounds I know it sounds a little bit like a Rube Goldberg device, but I've done way worse than that. <laughs> that is actually pretty darned elegant for automatically opening a bit of your app and getting some data out of it. Obviously, you can do unit test frameworks. They're, they're out there and all that. But for the manual testers like me, I'm kind of loving this idea. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those you know, actual UI automation things probably use something similar to that, right? Like they actually have to yeah. <laughs> inject some sort of server that is listening and communicating back and executing commands. Yeah, it's... it's... It, it's how to get data off of iOS 101. You always have to put up some little server like that. You're making me actually really curious. I wonder if any of those automation commands are in here. I don't know how to, the automation API works because that one's very sophisticated where you can say like hover over a button, press a button, that kind of stuff. That's proper testing. Everyone, if you've got the time, go do that. Um, I've supported apps for 10 years and by far regressions are your biggest concern. No other bug matters other than regression bugs. You can deal with anything else really trivially. Uh, and if you have UI tests, that makes regression bugs so much easier to deal with. That said, I never write UI tests. <laughs> Do you, James? I, I should. I should. I should. But I, just I, don't. Sh I should. Um, I don't. I, I do a lot of manual testing, and that's sort of my jam yeah. in general. Yeah, I have in the past. Uh, probably functional testing probably makes the most sense. Yep. I think if I'm doing web stuff, there's a lot of really powerful web frameworks like like Playwright and, and Selenium and a few other ones out there that really make it easier to just kind of like run the recorder and bop around and do stuff. It's a full time job. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily a full time job, but it's full time job to get it up and running. And then it's a full time job. Yeah. You're definitely writing the app twice, which is fine um, because We've made this argument before. You, your time on an app is not how long it takes you to type the code. It just isn't. That almost has nothing to do with it. So it's okay to have twice that amount of time. The question is, can you keep it up? <laughs> can you keep doing that? Are you willing to devote that level of quality to it? Me, um, and also my UIs tend to be harder to um, automation test. They, they... So I have like a lot of multi-touch events. You know, you got to use fingers and you got to mm. select this thing and then use a finger over here and do this and then drag this over there. And those are just a little bit tricky to UI test, whereas I know a bunch of little manual tests. So what, I'm, what I've done in the past and what I'm definitely going to do more of now that I know how easy it is to bring up these URLs is just have those deep links into the app so I can get straight to the thing that I want to test out to make sure I haven't regressed on that. And, and then, you know, document these things and uh, maybe users can use them in a, a weird shortcut script or something like that. Yeah, totally. You know, I think that the, the thing with, with testing is that, is that, yeah, you have to sort of think about that a little bit when you're building the application and, and going around it. Um, I, I think that it's always best to think about automation and testing of just major flows. So you're not rewriting your app multiple times. Like that's definitely problematic uh, because you really want to, you know, you only want to maybe automate the major flows. Like, hey, does my sign-in thing work or does other <laughs> thing work? Or, you know, I mean, so I think those are the, the hardest parts of it in, in general. So it's trying to figure out what's the balance between the two. Um, yeah. Yeah, so hard. 
And and those won't help you with the API version of these URLs either, because those are UI tests. And you can definitely write unit tests. I, I everyone, I do unit test my code. I just don't UI test my code. <laughs> um, unit tests are great for you know testing the API side, but you always have that one little last bit that never gets test, which is the app delegate open URL. You know that mm-hmm. nasty function that's just every code base I've ever seen in my life has the most nasty open URL, and it's it's partly Apple's fault because that function does so many different things in yeah. the app delegate, but that is. It's always spaghetti code. Every app I've seen, that bit is spaghetti code, and it's good to get that really thoroughly tested. Uh, I should just speak for myself. Every app I've ever written (laughs) has spaghetti code in that function. There you go. Yeah, actually, mine does too, so don't worry. It's not just you, Frank. It's not just you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think these things are super powerful, and that's why I like to talk about them. And and sometimes, you know, we've done 282 podcasts, so sometimes we retouch on a topic that we touched on before, and that's okay. I think because we're always learning. I think that's the best part of, you know, being a developer is you're always learning something new. Even if you read a blog post from, you know, 20 years ago. Did you ever send me this blog post? There it is. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't right like 10 years, man. Like these URLs have been around forever. I've been doing iOS development forever. And today I learn about this. <laughs> it's so annoying. So I just wanted to make sure everyone knows there's a way to open URLs from the command line. Yes. I can't believe we didn't know this. That's so good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I like this blog post because I don't know whoever wrote it, but they're like, you could go to a browser and type it in manually, or you could just run this command, right? And then just copy and paste it in. That's so smart. So smart. I love these little little code hacks, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm just going to have like, a script called testabunch.sh and it's going to be open URL, sleep, open URL, sleep, open URL, sleep. And it's going to be amazing. I'm going to love love it. it. And it's going to auto test my app. (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's merge conflict. It's a nice short one this week because we are on the run. Well, not really, but I'm going to go hop in a car and then go drive. So anyways, um, Frank, actually, I'm going to write, I'm going to do a video on this when I get back because I think this is really cool. I think I'm going to do one of those YouTube shorts. That's what I've got. YouTube shorts. People do like those short videos. How short's your short video? Well, they can only be up to 60 seconds. So Whoa, that's real short. <laughs> yeah, they're real short. The default is 15 seconds technically wow. on YouTube. Wow. But you can just, it, it, YouTube shorts are kind of interesting because all you need is a portrait mode, square or portrait, as long as it's the, as long as the, the height is equal or greater than the width then you're totally oh. good to make it a short and it has to be under 60 seconds. Uh, so I'm going to be doing one every week of just new C short features, just like, and here it is. Oh, and here fun. it is. And here, it is, you know, nice and short. And then to complement my existing long form content, but you know, it's all the TikToks and the snap who's and the insta, insta yeah. what's and all this stuff. They're all the same at the end of the day. <laughs> They're all the same. 60 seconds. If you can't make your point in 60 seconds, it's just not worth it. I guess. Apparently. <laughs> I, I am. I, I did one on Filescape scope namespaces, and I thought that was pretty good. So, ah, I'll do one on this though, because I think this is a. This would make a perfect video short thing. Yeah. Thingy, thingy, so. And everyone will be happy you did it. So yes. <laughs> at least I will be. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, have a great week wherever you're at in the world. It is almost December. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Yeah. It's almost 2022. Um, but I hope everyone had a great holiday. If you're here in the States, if you're not here in the States, I hope you just had a great weekend and then you have a great week going forward and we'll talk to you next week. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno and I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.